When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're momming today with Daisy Dowling, mom of two, head of an executive training firm, and author of Work Parent, The Complete Guide to Succeeding on the Job, Staying True to Yourself, and Raising Happy Kids. Uh, But Daisy, welcome back. I want to start off by saying I am back. I'm like literally back in the office in New York City, and it is my first week back after a maternity leave, my third one. So this is... Wow, I'm very excited to talk to you about issues that I'm actually really having right now. So thank you for the personal podcast. <laughs> well, thank you so much for having me. And and this is perfect timing. We'll, we'll talk about things that are going to be top of mind for you in a busy career, just back from leave and making the move from, you know, two kids to three kids. I, yeah, and I do want to talk about that. But at the top of my mind, and I've been hearing this, this is a little off subject for you, traffic. You know, people are starting to go back into the office and maybe they're not taking the train. They're driving in and like everybody else is driving in too. So, you know, being a parent who has to go to work, right? How do you judge or gauge how much time you're going to need a sitter for if we don't have our commutes and our routine down pat? Yeah, we don't have those routines down pat, which is why I'm a big believer in rehearsing them. <laughs> so with people who are going back from leave for the first time, or in, in a way, as we come back from the pandemic, it's like we're all coming back from parental leave, kind of in a way we're making a big transition in, you know, en masse. And I, you know, I think you can take a lot of the logistical sting out of big transitions like this by just doing them in low stakes way ahead of time. So even if your office isn't asking you back until September, try now that you know traffic is picking up, try making the commute. How long does it take you? Do you have a new daycare arrangement? Have you practiced the drop-off for that? Then when you know the time comes, your first week back, you'll feel like, I-, I know how to do this. I'm in this. I've done this before. And that'll give you a little bit of confidence. Yeah. You coach a lot of parents about how to juggle life, right, for themselves and, and their kids. What's the most common concern that you hear from them? The most common concerns I hear, and they're really two sides of the same coin, are I'm in this, I have too much to do all myself, I'm overwhelmed, and I don't have the kind of help and support I need. So that's one side of the coin. And the other side of that coin, the resulting side, is just tiredness and burnout. So I would say about 70% of the coaching conversations I have with, you know, with moms and dads, and listen, this is true for people in all different jobs and all different, you know, in all doing all different things with all different family structures. So you're not unique or alone. If you feel this, I want to double underscore that, but 70% of the work that I do with people is figuring out how to diffuse it saying, okay, let's look over your calendar. Let's figure out what you might be able to 
keep off of it instead of just plowing through and, you know, and, you know, burning the candle at both ends, what might you be able to cut back on just a little bit without hurting your career or in any way your children? Yeah, How but- can you get more help and support? And, and then finding those marginal areas. You know what's going to get cut off that list? That yoga class or that Pilates class or, you know, that after work drink. N- not with my work. Oh, so, mm, tell me more. So, yeah. So one thing that I ask every parent I work with to do is a calendar audit. That means getting out your last week's, not your next week's, but your last week's calendar and to-do list. And then usually together with a parent, but you can do this on your own. We'll take a red pen and we'll start circling the things that are, you know, that were on the calendar, that were on the, I need to get this done list that might be deferred, that might've been delegated, that you might've said no to or avoided that might've come off. But the rule is you don't get to touch things that are really vital to your self-care. So keep that yoga class on, but you know what, if your child is like my older one is nine now, and for some reason on weekends, I seem to be doing all the laundry. Well, okay. Calendar wise, new rule. She can help me put in a load. Maybe that only saves me 10 minutes. But if I can find six or seven 10-minute savers over the course of the week, that allows me to get to yoga. And it's finding those small bits of time, that little bit, that 2%, that 3% that allows working parenthood to go from like all out crazy overwhelming to merely really challenging. More tips with Daisy Dowling right after this. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. We're back on We're Momming Today with Daisy Dowling, and I'm calling this podcast my personal podcast because personal headline today at 10 a.m. was my daughter's pre-K graduation, and I missed it. I missed my oldest daughter's first ever graduation because I work, and it's my first week back at work. The third day, it was at 10. The show I do is at 10. I, I, that's the decision I made. Was it right? Was it wrong? I don't know. Tremendous guilt. I was crying just moments ago when the family sent me pictures. And I'll, I'll get over that. And, you know, I decorated the whole kitchen today but very early this morning. I put balloons in her room. I had presents out for her. I wrote her a beautiful note. And I think I can handle all of that. The part that's difficult is the amount of work I had to do to make sure everybody could make this happen. So that required me organizing my nanny, my husband, my parents, the times that they had to do things, what they had to wear. It, it, was, it was so crazy, Daisy. I, it was overwhelming organizing this remotely where if I was just home and off, either off from work or just not working, making a decision not to be a working parent, this would have been no big deal and I would have went to the graduation. I can't tell you the number of phone calls I got this morning. And I wrote everything down for everybody. So the first thing I want to do is push back a little bit on your guilt. And if that sounds surprising, like, wait, it's guilt. You shouldn't be pushing on me. I already feel crummy. I I mean that in a very gentle way. 
So when somebody tells me they feel guilty as a working parent, it's usually because they they feel, they think that they're operating somehow in opposition to their values. If I'm such a loving mom, why did I miss the preschool graduation, right? I, I just, I did something in contradiction there. But you didn't miss the preschool graduation to go like play tennis or to get your nails done. You did it because this is an important job for you. This is work that you do to support your family, to give your daughter opportunities, to be an incredible role model for her as she grows. So I want you to sort of restake a little bit here and think that, you know, you're not acting in opposition to your values. You're doing something that is really important for you, for your family and for her. Then logistically too, you know, I, I think it sounds like you had a great celebration. You organized and planned a lot, but maybe next time you think about doing that in a smaller way, right? Your daughter wants to feel recognized. She wants your attention. So maybe that's having your own special ceremony or celebration when you get home from work and it's something small or just your, you know, just your nuclear family, but where you watch the video of her at the graduation and, you know, and you sit and you can clap and hug and do all the kinds of things that people do at graduation and, and allow her to feel that sense of attention, even though it wasn't at the ceremony itself. I always make things more complicated. I Keep swear, but but you know, it, it got me to thinking of to be a working parent. There's an ecosystem that revolves around that, right? Um, the childcare, the um, activities that you know you need. A, it takes a village, right? And when you're not there for for parents that either are working from home and less there, or parents who are completely in the office, how do you get that ecosystem where you need it to be? Where where you don't have to, you know, write things down for people where they kind of you get to the point where they just know and it's easy and it flows. Yeah. So that that's two things. It's building the ecosystem and then communicating and making it easy to communicate with the ecosystem. So in my book, I have a whole chapter on getting help and support and care, right? Because it takes a village, but nobody ever tells you that when you're the working parent, you're also the mayor of that village, right? You're <laughs> running the village and recruiting for the village. And, and it's on you in, in a way that can be a little daunting, but can also be empowering to think about all the different types and forms of help and support you can get. So there's care for your child, but there's also colleagues who might be able to share with you tips and advice or just give you a pep talk when you're on your first day back from your third parental leave, just for example, just making that suggestion. <laughs> Or there might be, um, you know, sort of career or corporate programs that you can make use of, like a backup care program that you can enroll in or sign up for. Or there might be computer or IT hacks, like if you can streamline carpool logistics using an app and just save yourself the headache of those endless phone calls, that's part of your ecosystem also. So I, in the book, I walk people through kind of a, a, a way of thinking about, about your care, your, about your village in a really 360 way and being the architect of it and building it out. Yeah. And then when it comes to communication, a couple of things you want to think about. First, when you're communicating with the, the villagers, so to speak, you want to make certain that you're having communications with them, which aren't all about, here's what I need, right? You can have the most dedicated you know, caregiver or grandparent or friend who's always willing to help. But if the only back and forth that you ever have with them is, can you do pickup or I need this? It, 
puts a little bit of strain on the relationship. So think about some of the positive communications you can have. Second, make it easy, right? Like the beauty of having, you know, our iPhones, they can, you know, they can keep us awake at night and we're always on emails and so forth. But think about ways you might streamline communication. Like just for example, there are great apps now that allow you to track everything that your baby is eating. So that if you and your partner and a grandparent and a caregiver are trying to figure out like, oh, we're onto solid foods and, you know, have we given her strawberries already or is she allergic to this or whatever, you know, that you all have a, you know, like a single glance, you know, real time log of that. That's a really small example, but it just saves so much backing and forthing and headache. Yeah. So think about the logistics there too. And I think for probably a lot of working parents, it- the lo- the logistics and the communication take up a lot of time. They, I mean, they really do. And, and and sometimes it's you you think you have it all organized and down pat and you're ready to tackle this, but there were surprise things that came up or something you never even thought of would be an issue. And now that's something that you have to handle also remotely. Yes. And here as a coach, again, remember my job is to support and also to to gently question, you know, or or push or nudge. Um, And here's where I'm going to do that again, where I see a lot of working parents getting caught in tons of communication is sometimes when they're being a little bit too specific about how things might need to happen. Now, we all have things that are totally non-negotiable, our children's health and safety, maybe what they're eating, um, the type of environment they're in, a certain amount of screen time or no screen time, whatever it is, we all have our lines in the sand and we want to stick to them. But sometimes, not always, sometimes parents will get caught in like a, you know, the certain details need to be handled in a certain way, or, you know, I want this person who's with my child now to, to sort of behave or do exactly what I would do if I were there. Like, you know, this is what you need to give your child for lunch instead of sort of trusting your caregiver to, you know, to help prepare that if you're not around, for example. So, so just question yourself and say, am I, am I communicating about things that are truly important sort of merely concerning or, or things that maybe I can let go a little bit. And maybe that will get you a little bit of time back. And then I think it can also be really, really helpful with regular caregivers, with members of your village, whoever they are, neighbors, friends, family, et cetera, to have more regular check-in times where you're not constantly like ping-ponging back and forth. So maybe it's every Friday afternoon, you get to the daycare 15 minutes earlier than you need to. And you just kind of hang around with the people who are, you know, who are providing your child's day-to-day care. Yeah. And you can talk about how the week went and when your child was happy or upset or scared or, you know, eating more or less or whatever. And that allows you to download in in a really effective, very satisfying way without being so caught in the day-to-day. It's easy. I, I love that last suggestion, but that was ripped from so many of us with COVID. With the pandemic, because if you were lucky enough and did choose to send your child to school or, or daycare, mo- parents weren't allowed in. I mean, we were me and some of the moms who I happen to know from beforehand, before school, were just saying how this whole year at school, we don't know what the classroom looked like. We don't really know what they did. We know just what our child has told us. There's been it's you drop off, you pick up and, and your child is literally taken from your car and put back in. And that's all you know. Absolutely. And listen, I, I homeschooled my kids or distance learned God my kids you. for 13 months. And I've never, um, I've never actually met 
<laughs> their teachers they had this past year, uh, which which was, you know, really threw me for a loop, but just, you know, speaking very personally. So it, it's, I hear you. At the same time, there are things that we can all do to communicate, right? Like, you know, that your child gets taken out of your car wearing a mask. It, it feels very impersonal, even really jarring, really upsetting. But you can always ask for a 10-minute Zoom or, you know, at the front end of the school year uh, coming into this, step, this past September, when my kids were remote, I sent each of their teachers a long email just saying, here's what I want you to know about my child. It's not a question. Aww. It's not a concern. It's not an ask. It's nothing. It's just context. Okay. My younger one is left-handed. She really likes this subject. She is concerned about this. This is her favorite movie. Um, she, you know, here's activities that she likes, et cetera, et cetera. So that that teacher and I, that he had more information, but also that he and I all of a sudden had a dialogue. And then throughout the year, I would sort of do these updates. And I usually got some really great things back from a teacher, let me just say, who was busy and probably working harder than he's ever worked in his life. But you're an expert. You knew to do that. I, I wouldn't have even thought of doing that. And one of the reasons I wouldn't think of doing that is I would say, oh, this teacher is probably so overwhelmed. Why would they want this information from me? <laughs> you know? So if, if I had thought of it, which I, I didn't, I, I would have said, well, maybe I shouldn't. Yeah. And, and that's because you're a good person. Right? So <laughs> I, I don't want to bother you. I don't want to. No, it is. Yeah. You don't want to bother and overwhelm an educator who's who's already overwhelmed. Right. But I think when as working parents, we come from a position of support and collaboration. If we can say to a caregiver or to an educator, listen, I, I can't even imagine what you're dealing with right now. Right. It, it's overwhelming. You never asked for this. It's beyond. Mm -hmm. In that context, I'm going to share something with you that I think might help make your job just a teensy tiny bit easier. You know, my kids are going to be masked. You can't see them smile. Here's what makes Aww. them smile. Let me share that with you. And, and if you have any insights, I'm more than happy to hear them, but no expectations, whatever. I, I think people are really excited to, you know, to get that kind of approach um, as opposed to just, you know, fill me in. I want more information. Um, and and I think on the back of COVID, we actually have an opportunity to establish some even more positive, strong relationships with caregivers and educators than we've ever had and before. And what about those relationships with bosses and corporations? Because work from home has has taught America that, yeah, we can be trusted. We can get our jobs done at home. And I've, I've spoken to so many people about this. The new normal, what what does it look like? You know, some people will have hybrid schedules. Some will, you know, stay stay home forever. Others will just be in the office. Whatever you choose, it's going to be different. How – What if you could look into a crystal ball, how sympathetic do you think bosses are going to be, let's say after Labor Day when, when as expected, it's mostly back to normal? How do you think companies will have changed with regards to, to family life? Yeah, sympathetic or scared. And mm. and those can be <laughs> those can be interrelated or felt at the same time. So uh, the Wall Street Journal just did an article this past week about how people are just upping and quitting jobs at a higher rate than at any point in the past two decades. And I, I can only imagine, you know, looking into my non-existent crystal ball, but I can only imagine that that is going to increase. So uh, 
you know, most of the managers and leaders I've spoken to throughout the course of this pandemic have told me, listen, I want to be supportive, but I'm not sure exactly how to in the context of needing to just deliver business to get this done. So I think managers are open to conversation and open to solutions and ideas when they know that the person talking to them is sort of, you know, looking at it from their perspective saying, hey, I can be even more productive for you. If in my two days per week at home, I don't have to do the commute, that means I'll be able to do more client outreach or, you know, with that time saved, I'll be able to do, you know, whatever it is, fill in the blank. So, so I, I think people are open to that kind of conversation. Mm. I also think they're rightfully concerned and worried about, oh my gosh, you know, the, the hiring market's really heating up and people are leaving. So, so I would say to each working parent listening to this, feeling a little bit like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm sort of at the, you know, at the mercy of my organization. Listen, there's 52 million of us. That's a lot. And, and we're we all share this concern. So I think we have more power than we think we do. In your coaching, do you find that parents have enjoyed being home, working from home, or do you think they, they do want to get back in? So in, in a day when I have like five different coaching meetings, I will hear, hear five totally different <laughs> stories. And it's so dependent on the type of where work. people live and the type of work. And listen, I live in New York City. So in a you know standard size New York City apartment, right? I haven't won Powerball. I don't have that kind of dwelling you know, in Manhattan. In a standard size New York City apartment, working from home long-term, um, you know, it sounds really daunting, right? Because I just don't have the space. That's me. Other people tell me I'm never going back. I, I will only take a job or stay in this job if I can get five days a week at home. So there's a total range. What we each have to do now though, and this is kind of the homework that I want to give people is remind ourselves that work from home or work in person or in an office, that's not the only component of flexibility. That's very binary. It's like black, white, yes, no. There are a lot of different other things that affect your working life as a parent, how many hours you're working, how much you control those hours, when those hours occur during the day, are you doing, can you shift your hours earlier and end earlier to be with your kids? Can you do a compressed work week? Are you going to have to do business travel, even if you're working remote? So, so I think it, we need to think holistically and big picture. And for you to say to yourself, given what I learned over the past, you know, year plus, what's going to work for me and it's it's not just all about a commute and being in person it, it's about all these different components and factors and a system that's going to be sustainable for me long term and sustainable i mean is that a conversation that you have with your children too like hey look mommy and daddy are, are both work and fortunately or hopefully in september you know you're you're back in school full time mask or no mask um and these are the changes that we're 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 going to make you know um mom's going to get up earlier and come home earlier or, you know, I mean, is that a conversation you have with your family first and then, and then run it by your boss? I, I just, I guess I'm struggling with, we might figure out what we need, but while, you know, worker, it's a worker's market right now, right? I mean, I don't know how receptive companies are really going to be to our demands. Yeah. Demands, but demands, positioned in a way that makes it clear that you're going to be really valuable to the organization, right? Yeah. So if, if you walk in and say, I want four days a week at home, you know, honestly, as, as your coach, I would say, uh, good luck. 
right? I, I, you know, I don't know how that effective that is going to be, but if you can go in and say, you know, I, I, I met my quota and exceeded it, you know, in each of the past, you know, four quarters, five quarters that I was working remote. And as we think about the next year, I'd like to ask for X number of days working remote on the condition that I continue exceeding my targets and knowing, you know, and I want you to know that even when working from home, I will be flexible. If we have an important meeting, I will come in, et cetera. If you can frame it like that, it's going to seem like much more of a non-event and it won't feel your boss or your manager won't be under assault. They won't feel like they're the victim of a hostage taking, <laughs> which it's going to make, it's going to make it easier for them to try and accommodate you, even if they can't give you exactly what it is that you want. And you remain very calm. You don't say, or else I quit. You have that conversation, see where it develops, and then you can make other choices, right? You see what the reaction is. Once you've done that, you can then communicate with the kids. Your job is to try and keep the kids as non-stressed out as possible. So you don't want to be running multiple iterations of how mom's going to be working by them and sort of constantly changing stuff because they'll get confused. Once you have sort of what you think is your new normal, then you can start previewing it and talking about what that's going to look like and how, you know, mom is going to be home every night for dinner, even if I'm back in the office and you're back at school, or here's how we're going to spend our time together, you know, on weekends, even on the weeks when I do have to travel, you, you can create that, that correct framing that won't be as so, you know, so scary, um, particularly to a smaller child. Work Parent, your book has been out for about a month now. Congrats. How long did it take you to write? Thank you. Two years. Ooh. Two years. Oh, well, um, an important of, two of years. I mean, the world changed yeah. in the last two years, right? It was normal and then it wasn't. <laughs> yeah. So I was a big believer that we were on um, a really difficult path as, as working parents well before any of us heard about the COVID-19 virus. Um just, you know, in the past dozen years or so with modern technology, with current pressures, with the family structures that we have now, which are for the, you know, most part or majority dual career couples or single parent households, you know, really outnumber quote unquote traditional families where there's a breadwinner and somebody at home taking care of the kids. Just, you know, we're in a, we're in a kind of a new world working parent wise and, and we didn't have a handbook for it. And that's what I wanted to create that would help people, you know, just cope and, and that would treat working parenthood as a learnable skill, as opposed to just sort of like a problem to be endured. And as I was writing this, of course, then, you know, everything sort of got tossed up in the air and, and all of a sudden the working parent problem was exposed. It, the pandemic amplified it, mm. but I don't think it created it, right? It just made the challenge, you know, even harder than it already was. But what it also did, and as terrible as this pandemic has been, do not get me wrong, it has been awful for so many people on so many levels, all of us. But what it did was um, was really expose what was going on. And it caused us to all have a reckoning and to say, you know what, I'm going to be intentional. I'm going to be deliberate. I'm going to think about what I want. I'm going to make choices. I'm not just going to sort of take this. I'm going to think about what's going to work for me as a parent and think bigger picture. And I think that's a really positive place from which us individually to be operating and certainly collectively. Yeah. And bottom lining it, what I heard you say is that burnout that we were feeling, let's say in 2019, 
will be solved in 2021 because we learned last year that the old workflow just didn't work when we were forced to do it from home, for instance, you know? Yeah. 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 And, and that, um, and that we want to be really deliberate. And one way that we can each be deliberate right now, we're in mid June is to think about the time off that we want to take this summer and through the rest of the year. I know time off for a lot of people. I say it like, like in my, in my coaching meetings, I will often ask people when I'm doing the get to know you questions, I'll say, when's the last time you had a full day fully off? And a lot of times people can't remember, right? Because we were so all out to the wall working on, you know, in every different part of our life throughout the pandemic, that vacation and time off just, it seems like retro at this point. Like it seems like, you know, it's so 2018. We've got to bring that back. Time off and breaks and rest are an essential tool for you as a parent and for, for you to continue performing to top level at work. And so, you know, that's, that's priority number one, I think for a lot of us is when am I going to get a break? And then also to think about things like, you know, work from home schedules and, you know, family routines and a lot of the different stuff I, I cover in the book, but, but let's take a pause first. Daisy, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, subscribe and listen to the Trey Gowdy Podcast. Former federal prosecutor and four-term U.S. congressman from South Carolina brings you a -a one-of-a-kind podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.